This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the show this week, everyone, and what a week it has been. Oh my goodness, I I cannot even begin to tell you how wonderful this week has been, except that that's what we're going to do on this week's show. The Blue Jackets have centers, and the Cleveland Browns are 4-1. and one. This is a crazy week. Things are nuts. We're going to jump into some craziness. First of all, first thing we're starting the week off, this, this episode off with is Beer of the Week. We've got Festbier from the Columbus Brewing Company. I have never had this before. It is an Oktoberfest-style lager. Lots of Oktoberfest recently, because, well, here we are in October. Mm. Mm. A little more bite than the last Oktoberfest I had. A little more of that, uh, that hoppiness in the middle of the tongue. Very nice, very easy to drink. Not a lot of bitterness to it. A little bit of bitterness with it, but it's good. It's good bitter. All right. So my plan for this week's folks. I said that horribly wrong. I'm sorry. My plan for this week. I'm just super hyped after that Browns win. Is we're essentially going to follow the Blue Jackets week in chronological order. We are starting with uh, a cool chat I had earlier today with Mason and Corey from Habs Nightly, a uh, uh, sister show here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I do want to tell you, normally on this show, I have a pretty strong standard of I don't curse on the show um, because I want people to be able to listen to it with their kids in the car, all that kind of stuff, or if your kids are around. I need to be clear. Um, when I have guests, I don't censor them. So Mason and Corey, they 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 use a little bit of language on this. So if you got little ones in the room that you don't want them hearing, they're, they're hearing, uh, hearing some four-letter words, I would mute this or find another better time to watch this for yourself. But here, I'm going to jump to a um, quick word from our folks, at the, our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network, then we'll come right back with the interview. Thank you. Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bolts broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. Was up. An- Anthony? Anthony Nunschfander. It's, it's N-E-U-E-N. It's Neunschfander. Anthony Neunschfander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. You took it for two years? Oh, no. They don't yeah. take it that long. I, I took it for two years and was like asleep in all of German too. Oh, you you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was like me and I don't know five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us. While she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible <laughs> class. No. <laughs> We were in terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, not going to mention names. Not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. It was 100% <laughs> not me. Oh, boy. I know a couple of those names, but, uh, yeah, that's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday, only on the Hockey Podcast Network. 
<laughs> all right, so we'll do take two here. Uh, all right, so the deal was Max Domi for Josh Anderson, and Max Domi came over with a third from Montreal. What were your initial reactions there, guys? Well, I've actually had a lot of time to think through my response to this question. It's almost as if I was asked recently. <laughs> um, <laughs> my initial reaction was I, I fucking facepalmed. I was so upset. I could not believe we added a third-round pick because, you know, Habs Twitter, and we were talking earlier before we recorded, Frank, Marco D'Amico, a big Habs guy on Twitter, literally tweeted out, if Montreal trades Max Domi for Josh Anderson straight up, I, I will die. And then we added a third round pick to that. So, you know, it wasn't straight up. So I guess he got, didn't, you know, his worst wishes didn't happen. But yeah, my initial reaction was I was upset, but I was nowhere near as upset as my Southern friend on my podcast who I think might have blew a gasket. I took a couple of days off of Twitter. Um <laughs> You know, like we we literally had Hurricane Delta comes into the Gulf and everyone's saying it's going to New Orleans. And literally that morning, Max Domi gets traded right before I go to work. And I called off work. Fuck it. Like, I, I couldn't deal with that today. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that amount of stress and disappointment. I'm useless at that point. So I sat at home and I fucking ate ice cream and I drank myself into a coma just watching Max Domi fucking leave and go to a team where he's going to be successful. And I was I had to look up who the fuck Josh Anderson was. Like, it was, <laughs> it was a hard day. It was a hard day in the South. All right. And and now that you've had some time to, to digest it, and I'm sure Canadian media has been, been talking about Josh Anderson and showing highlights, how do you feel about the deal with a few days, uh, a few days to, to sleep on it and to see what was going on? Um, we got jar mode for sure. I think we got fleeced a little bit. Uh, Max Domi, in my opinion, is a more talented player than Josh Anderson. I think that's a pretty general consensus. Um, but I think the market for Max Domi was a volatile one. Um, we kind of didn't have a place for him, and I think teams knew that. When you've got Dano, KK, and Suzuki as your top three centers, and you've got Max Domi as a centerman, well, you know who the odd man out is. I think Jarmo took advantage of that. And, you know, I don't have an issue with trading for Josh Anderson. I think he's exactly what we need and he's a great addition to this lineup, but we fucking overpaid for him. And I think that could potentially hurt us, but I think in the end, it's a good, it was a good idea for Mark Bergman to trade for this guy. I just think Columbus got out a little bit ahead of us and, you know, sometimes that's okay to take a losing deal, but it doesn't make it, an easier pill to swallow to say the least. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I got to hear from, from way more intelligent people on Habs, you know, in Habs community tell me that his size is really going to bring a difference to our game and his grid as well. You know, uh, like Mason said, there is a difference in offensive abilities, but I think Josh Anderson is going to play well on this team. I don't feel so much that we overpaid. Like it sucks that we gave up an extra, you know, a draft pick for it, but we're going into next season where we have 14 picks. I feel like Bergevin was just like, it's not the biggest problem. It's not the biggest deal if we give this away with it as well. And like Mason said, it's kind of hard to hide that like Max Domi's not fitting on this team because he can't play his correct, his correct role. And it's like, other teams saw that shit. It's the same thing with Galchenyuk. 
They saw that he was being moved around, so they clearly saw that he was not fitting in with the team. He did not mesh with what we were trying to do. So it really played into, you know, uh, the other GM's hands. It, it was easy. It was like, okay, well, you desperately need to move him. If we need him, you're going to have to give us a little something extra. It, it's got to be worth our time. So I felt like it was harder for us to move Domi in that aspect. But it was literally we gave everything had to be in in, in Columbus's hands, you know, for them to be like, okay, this trade only works if you do this for us. And we just had to straight up be like, okay, I guess, I guess this is this is it, you know. We can deal. We'll settle for that. Yeah, that was something I, I when I first saw the deal, I was surprised we got the third with it. Um, the the sense I got from a lot of Canadian stuff was that, you know, if there was a deal like that to be had, the Blue Jackets going to have to add to it. But after the deal happened, I looked at Cap Friendly and saw how many picks the Canadians have coming up, <laughs> and all of a sudden I realized, okay, maybe Bergeron thought, you know what, I've got all these picks. Let me use them to get the player that I want, and and I'll just throw in the sweetener if that's what I got to do. Um, I'll say from as a Blue Jackets fan that there's still a part of me that's kind of sad. I won't see Anderson again in a Blue Jackets uniform because not this past year with the the shoulder injury and stuff, he wasn't playing like himself. But the year before, when he's playing well, he he can kind of change a game. He changes the makeup of a game because that size, the speed, the skill, he changes what happens. I mean, there's a lot of people who think that player not being on the ice was one of the biggest differences between last year's series against Tampa Bay versus this year's series against Tampa Bay, because Tampa Bay had a hard time dealing with a player like him. So, I mean, in that way, I mean, you guys did get a really good player on that deal. (laughs) Um, In in your view, I mean, is it something where, you know, Domi just wasn't a fit anymore in, in, uh, you mentioned Galchenyuk in there. I mean, he just wasn't a fit. You guys have all the centers you need. I mean, do you, is that why you're thinking he got he got moved out? He just wasn't a fit anymore in in Montreal. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was a problem with fit because I think Domi fits Montreal's game very well. Um, I think it was just an issue of Philip Deneau. You have to pick. You had to pick Domi or Deneau, and because realistically, you're not going to move KK or Suzuki. If you would, you're not a GM in the NHL, and if you are, you're not a good one. So. It was Philip Deneau or Domi, and I just I don't I think that's a no brainer. I know if you don't watch a lot of Habs, you might not be as high on, on Philip Deneau as I am, and I am notoriously high on him. But he's one of the best defensive centers in the league. He's a perennial, well, should be a perennial Selkie candidate, and he just provides a lot to a hockey team that Domi can't. Domi is leagues higher offensively than he is, but realistically and if you look at advanced stats he's one of the worst defensive forwards in the nhl he does make up for it with offense but it's just not what montreal needed and add on to you know play into rumors if you want but there were rumors that him and claude julian were you know arguing in the playoffs about ice time because domi was relegated to a fourth line role and take of that what you want take with a grain of salt but i you know where there's rumors there's usually a little bit of substance maybe not a lot so I, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened there. Yeah, I think I think Domi, you know, Domi's off offensively skilled enough to know that he deserves to play. I think it just him taking those extra days off to to be cautious about COVID and you know his his uh his health condition, you know, making him someone who was, you know, a lot more capable of catching it it really kind of threw off that chemistry coming back in because it was like, okay, where do we put him? We got, we got a great system going right now. 
but he knows what he's capable of doing. And I'm not mad if, if it was, you know, if it was true that they were arguing because he knows that he can, he can be, if he, if he gets enough time with the team, he can definitely make, uh, you know, make an impact in the game and, and the way that we play. And he just wanted to get back into that role. I just think he missed a little bit too much time. And they saw how well Suzuki and Kaka and Niemi were willing to fight for this role. And it just kind of pushed him to maybe play in a wing position instead of a center and, and sadly falling down to the fourth. All right. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up, because it was such big news shortly after the trade, Josh Anderson signs his big deal, seven years, $5.5 million. Was this too much? Was this too long? What What do you guys think of this? Because I know what, what Twitter seemed to think of the deal as soon as it happened, but what about you guys? It's a fucking grand slam, or it's a complete strikeout in the ninth <laughs> inning of the World Series. Like it, If he scores 30 goals and it remains healthy, I think it's a it's a steal because realistically you don't get 30 goal scores for under $6 million. $6 million seems to be kind of the, the mark for a 30-goal scorer. And Josh Anderson, I think, is totally capable of doing that. The question, and I think it was the question in Columbus too, or correct me if I'm wrong, it's not his talent, it's his health. And if he isn't healthy and he can't, you know, be on the ice, then it's gonna it's gonna hurt us, and it's gonna affect us, and it's gonna eat up cap space. So if he can play and if he can score 30 goals, you know, 25 goals consistently, I think it's a good deal. If not, I think it's not a horrible deal, but you know, you're looking at kind of a bad contract. So we'll have to see what happens. But I think it's uncharacteristic of Bergevin. This contract, it's risky, and that's not Bergevin's style. So I'm kind of interested to see how it plays out because we don't really see this kind of thing in Montreal very often. I think I think the initial number isn't isn't too bad. Like you're saying, like that's great for like a 30 goal score. Uh, it kind of scares me. It reminds me of like when we first got Shea Weber back in like 2016, had a great season and then hit like these bad, really bad injury, you know, eras where we were just afraid like, OK, we got we got some decent money on this guy. We just made him the captain and he's going to miss basically the entire season. You know, um, are we just, you know, draining money into someone whose career is going to be over because of injuries? Do we have uh, a Paul Correa, sadly, you know, like definitely capable of doing the job, but we're going to lose him because he just he just can't stay healthy. Um, if he's healthy, I love it. I think that the I'm, I'm surprised that Bergevin went was just immediately like seven fucking years and didn't just just take a little easy approach, maybe give him a three year contract and, and then maybe an extension coming in. But he just straight up was like, yeah, we're good for seven years on Josh Anderson, making me a little bit more panic at that point. It's not really the money. Okay. I think it's a great deal, but just seven years of Josh Anderson kind of scares me knowing, like you said, he had, he, you know, he was injured and he did not play the same, you know, are we going to get, um, you know, when he's a hundred percent, are we going to get what we know Josh Anderson can play at, or is he kind of damaged now because of his injuries? I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited to see what he's capable of doing. And, Sorry, if I can just to throw it because we don't know as much about him as you. What do you think about the deal? Like, I mean, I know there was at least a few fans here that when they saw the deal signed, they were like, "Oh, it'd be, it'd be nice if he'd stayed in Columbus at, at that deal." I think management didn't want that term. I, I think the dollar number was fine. I think the term was where they were starting to, eh. and and it's not. 
where my concern is isn't with the most recent injury he had because I mean that he's had that rehabbed for long. He was going to play in the playoffs if they if the Blue Jackets had gotten past Tampa. He was going to play in the next round. Gonna- the the concern is when a guy plays a big heavy game like that. How long is he going to be able to keep it up? Because um, I mean, it, Josh Anderson's great. He's an amazing player. My concern is when is he going to get injured next? Because I I just see that happening at some point. Now it might be another two or three years down the road. And, and to be honest with you, if you get if out of these seven years you get five years of of really good jo- of good Josh Anderson, it's not a bad deal. That that's what I would say. If you're if you yeah. end up having a couple of years on the back end that aren't great, or one of those years he's hurt, but the other years he's good, it's not a bad deal at all. The reason he was coming out of Columbus and the reason they were trading him, I think, was two things. One, they didn't want the term. Two, this team needs a second. They needed a number two center. Yeah, it was a target. I mean, Pierre Luc Dubois is our number one. That's kind of been settled. But this year, the the cl- just the fire, the dumpster fire that was us trying to figure out who was going to play center. <laughs> I mean, we were taking players like Boone Jenner and being like, "Hey, you can be our number two center. You do that." <laughs> and I mean, yeah, it was it was not great, but we were just whoever we can get out there. To these, and then we had all these injuries on top of it. But but I mean, the reason we made the deal is we needed a number two center. And even yesterday when they made the the deal to to sign Miku Koifu, it was so we would have a number three center so Boone Jenner could go back to his normal position of the wing because we just – that's something this team just hasn't had enough of his center. So there was a certain amount of it, – it's kind of where I'm – it's where I'm surprised Bergeron had to throw in the third because I would think the Blue Jacks would be just as motivated to get Domi as, as they would be to get, uh, to get uh, uh, Anderson in Montreal. And one, my, my final kind of question for you guys, and I like to ask this whenever I talk to somebody from any other franchise and team here, where do Canadians fans see the Canadians at? Are they just a couple pe- Are they just like a piece or two away from being in that contending mode? Are they just kind of a bubble playoff team and they still have some work to do? What, I mean, they're definitely not in a rebuild or, I mean, I can't imagine they would be based on what I'm seeing here. So where, where do they see the team at as far as in its cycle right now? Well, um, okay. Um, I think they're a key scoring winger away and a year or two. I think that's really all Montreal needs. I think if you look at internally in the franchise, we, we do have a need at left D and I think because right D we're pretty set with Petrie and Weber. We've got two all-star caliber defensemen there, but we are going to, let's be honest, we, we are kind of weak on the left side, but I think that'll grow internally. We have a plethora of defensive prospects there in one, a year or two, we're going to, we're going to be fine there. Romanov's coming up. I think we'll be set. Um, I don't think you can hide the fact that Montreal needs another scoring winger because we cannot score goals to save Carey Price's career. And <laughs> Just really the situation you're in at this point, saving Gary Price's career. Yeah, exactly. Just he needs a cup. Just get him, I mean, get I him a fucking cup. But yeah, and give KK and Suzuki a year or two. One of them is going to become a first line caliber center by that point, if not both. So I think that's where Montreal is. Like I think we're in a very good position to, in a year or two, start competing. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could you could go back like right when the bubble started for us 
Oh, uh, we were we weren't looking at uh, moving past Pittsburgh. We were talking about getting a a, a nice pick and the draft. <laughs> and we literally saw a team that we knew had had the juice, had the capabilities of being good. Um, and they just kind of connected. So it 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 kind of like like going into it, I figured we were not going to be great. We were not going to have an excellent season um, the following year, and that kind of changed just watching the bubble. Um, I have uh, a new faith in this team with these young kids that uh, that are clearly ready to to show that they're they're more than just uh, capable of playing in Laval. Um, I think I think like most Habs fans, we're just excited to see a team that is going to play like they did in the bubble. So we went from being like, fuck, we're just going to be stuck in a rebuild to being like, oh, my God, like Mason said, we might be one or two spots away from having uh, a deep contending team. And um, I hope Josh Anderson is that pick for us. You've sued the Southern heart, uh, knowing a little <laughs> bit more about Josh Anderson. Um, Max Domi, I'm definitely going to pick him up in fantasy this year. I think he's going to be lights out in Columbus. Um, but I, I say look out for the Habs. Um, I I'd lie to you if I said that at the beginning of last season. I'd be like, "Yeah, we were going to be something." Um, <laughs> and now I'm, I'm kind of like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think I am fucking sure that we we might have a little something going on now." And I'm excited as fuck. And I'm just can't wait to January. Shit, I don't <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I feel like most Habs fans are just excited to see them play again. And. I got it. Yeah, and I just sorry, just last thing, I just because I forgot to mention it, Carey Price with a decent backup is going to be scary for Atlantic Division teams next year. So I think you've always got to consider that. Like we got to say, we want to save his career, but right now it could very well just be simply in his hands with the way he plays. Yeah, no, I did that that yeah, getting the backup uh, Jake Allen there. That was that was it. It's it's a lot of money in goaltending, but if you can, if you can not. Yeah, a lot a of fuck ton of money in goaltending. If but if you cannot play Carey Price 65, 70 games, if you can give him twenty games off in the regular season or twenty five, which you can do comfortably with Jake Allen going in, that that should help that team. That should help them long term there. All right, well, Mason Corey, thank you guys very much. I I enjoyed our conversation both times we had to have it here. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, guys. And you you have a good uh good uh. Well, I guess for Mason, Thanksgiving weekend up there, huh? Yeah, definitely. It's. I can't believe you guys have it when it's snowing out. That's just That's wild to me. So I, I don't know oh, what that. Yeah. Means. <laughs> <laughs> I, I the idea of having Thanksgiving before Halloween just strikes me as the weirdest thing in the world. I I can't I can't get over that. So <laughs> in my mind, there's that order to it: Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. The holidays get more. I don't know. Maybe not serious. I don't know. But either way. You guys, thanks for thanks very much for coming on, guys. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Thank you, thank you. We just finished a really exciting season of hockey here in Columbus, and the future is bright with all these awesome young players: Pierre Luc Dubois, Alexander Texier, Liam Foodie, Elvis Merz-Lincolns. But now you've got a new problem: how do you get jerseys for these guys? Well, we've got you hooked up: CoolHockey.com/thpn. And since CoolHockey.com doesn't outsource jerseys for customization like competitors, they're able to offer the best deals, best quality, and pricing and time on your delivery. So remember, when you need a new jersey, CoolHockey.com slash THPN 
for our exclusive discount there. Remember to use the discount code THPN, coolhockey.com slash THPN. All right. Well, that was a great interview. Thanks, guys, uh, with, with Habs Nightly there. Jumping into the rest of the news from the week. Uh, shortly after trading for Max Domi, the Blue Jackets signed him to a two-year deal worth $5.3 million a year. My initial thoughts on it. I kind of thought it would be for a longer term. Uh, as long as Yarmo's been looking for that number two center, I'm surprised he signed a deal that walked him right up to free agency. That being said, after the fact, when Yarmo talked about it and said, well, this gives the player a chance to get to know us and us a chance to get to know him, I think Yarmo, and this will be a recurring theme as we go forward, is valuing flexibility at this point. Um, uh, whether the Blue Jacks have an internal cap going right now or what's going on, I think they want certain levels of flexibility and planning. At the same time, what also may have happened is when they were making that deal, uh, if Yarmo might have asked, hey, let's go longer, at which point the price started going up precipitously. At that point, I can see why Yarmo said, well, let's take a breath, see what Domi can do for a year. He talked about how next year they can start negotiating again, so that gives them a chance to kind of re-up him long-term at that point. Domi, for what it's worth, seems to really enjoy the idea of playing in Columbus, so I'm not worried about it only being a two-year deal, uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, A lot is going to be determined by how Domi plays on this one year, or the first year of the deal. Then the Blue Jackets had the draft, where they drafted a bunch of guys that I have never heard of, which is pretty normal for a draft, but not to the extent that they did it. Um, their first pick, uh, oh, where, where, what's the name here? Okay. They got Domi there. Um, there is Igor, uh, Chinikov. As far as I understand, that's how it's pronounced Chinikov. Um, 21st pick, a guy that some people think is a super reach and an important piece of news. Yarmo seems to think he's high end on talent and there's a lot of highlights on him, but there's the highlights on all these guys. I'm not going to evaluate it, guys. I don't watch a lot of junior hockey. I definitely don't watch a lot of KHL hockey. I definitely don't watch a lot of European hockey. But the one bit of news that was coming out earlier this week, that uh, earlier this weekend, that his team in the KHL was offering him a three-year contract. Well, officially today, um, what his agent came out and said, uh, Igor Chinenkov is in the final. This is a a tweet here uh, from his agent. Igor Trinikov is in the final year of a contract with Avangard. All conversations about extension or move to the to the Columbus. There we go. Again, different language, no big deal. Will be held only after the conclusion of the KHL playoffs. Igor is willing to help his team to bring Gagarin Cup to his hometown, Omsk. Uh, good sign for the Blue Jackets if they want this player over sooner. I think what's happening is Trinikov is looking at it and didn't think he was going to go in the first round. And I honestly, that's probably why his KHL team brought him a three-year contract. They want him to stay. Now, knowing that a team valued him enough to take him in the first round, because think about some of these other deals. Um, when we drafted Gavrikov, when we drafted uh, Voronkov, uh, Marchenko, those guys were later round picks. Chinakov is looking at it saying, I could be a first round, I could get first round money going in. I might be able to sign essentially one of those rookie deals where you're getting the, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, and then with bonuses, you can get up to one point five or something. I mean, that 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 could be a big deal. That could be a game changer for him and wanting to come over. So we'll see what happens. Um 
he's already a little bit of an older player as a prospect. So it's some, it's something where very possibly who knows if my guess is what his team wants, what his agency's thinking is let's get to the end of the cut of the, um, Kelly Joel playoffs. And then we'll look at signing that deal and see what Columbus is offering. And if Columbus is saying, yeah, we want to get you into the NHL as quickly as possible. Cause if he's as good as some people have said he is, or, or think he could be, I think Columbus wants him in the system as quickly as possible. So that's that would be a good sign there. Uh, the other big news from this week, the Blue Jackets traded Ryan Murray for a fifth round pick and Mark to the New Jersey Devils and Marcus Nudavara to Florida for a forward Cliff Pooh. Cliff Pooh is not some high blue chip uh, prospect, so I don't think there's a lot gained there. What was gained was cap flexibility. Um, the Blue Jackets at this point have $13,625,000 in cap space after the Miko Koivu signing. And they seem to really be concerned about somebody trying to offer sheet Pierre-Luc Dubois. This has led to concerns about do the Blue Jackets have an internal cap? I, I don't know. Um, it's really tough to tell right now. Uh, Yarmo's being very cagey whenever he's asked the question he's not saying no outright but he's saying we're going to keep those conversations internal which makes me think there's something i don't know if it's a pure internal cap or maybe it's just something where the blue jackets as we've speculated on this show before the salary caps 81.5 they're allowed to spend 81.5 that may be how it works i don't know um so we'll see what happens there but trading those players and we would be remiss if we did not mention the one signing that they did do, Miku Koivu, um, the 37-year-old center who'd played with the Minnesota Wild pretty much his whole career there. The thing that I want to point out, because I'm seeing a lot of Blue Jackets fans, you know what, let's get to the last thing, then we'll get into the, Then we'll get to this. The big news that just broke that is kind of crazy, that I did not see coming, that to my knowledge nobody saw coming, is that... Uh, Taylor Hall, the big fish in free agency, signing with, of all teams, the Buffalo Sabres. That was me drinking my beer loudly because I'm just stunned by this stupidity. But again, it may not be stupidity. I'm not, I'm not trying to judge the move too much because Taylor Hall, the, the one thing we knew about Taylor Hall is he said he wanted to go somewhere based on winning and that he wasn't opposed to a short-term contract. So that led people to believe, and I think accurately, that this meant things like a one-year deal with Colorado or something, a team, uh, you know, Boston. And this is where I think Blue Jackets fans thought we had a chance, being like, yeah, one or two years, you can play in Columbus. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, Columbus doesn't win anything. But I mean, we've been in the playoffs several years straight, four straight years, I think, only like five or six teams have done that. So, I mean, there, you have a chance here to win. That didn't, he went to Buffalo. Now, here is where I've seen a couple people say this, and this may be where the thinking is. One, the Buffalo Sabres have said they want this to be more than a one-year term. I'm wondering if Taylor Hall has gone to teams and when it came to a long-term deal, he was like, I want 9 or $10 million a year because I'm an MVP. I should be getting big-time money. 
And if teams turned that down and were like, no, what we're offering is this, we're offering six, seven, or eight. One year at eight million, I'd be surprised if the Blue Jackets offered that, that he would turn it down. Maybe he did anyway. Maybe the Blue Jackets didn't offer one year at eight million. I don't know. I'd be stunned if the Avalanche had offered one year at eight million and he turned it down. But maybe he did. Um, what some people have speculated, and Craig Smith speculated this on um, on, on Twitter, uh, a writer for the Coyote, or for uh, he he writes his own blog for uh, it's a Substack thing. Max out the money for one season, push it down the road, and hope the market improves in a year. There is logic in that thinking. I mean, Taylor Hall is going to put up incredible numbers because he's going to play on Jack Eichel's wing, and he's going to put up maybe the best numbers of his career. Will they win a bunch of games? I don't know. That team's not that good. I don't think they'll win that much. But that that's, I don't know. It, it's a strange situation to me because, I mean, I've seen people already on Twitter talking about, oh, the Blue Jackets didn't do enough to do this. If Taylor Hall picked Buffalo, are we thinking that Colorado didn't offer enough either or Boston didn't offer enough like people were saying? Really? That's weird to me. I I think there's something else going on here. He's mentioned something about the connection he had with their coach. I I don't know. It it feels like Taylor Hall kind of had something specific in his mind. And when it didn't work out, maybe he just was like, I'll just see whoever will take me for one year, and then maybe I'll I'll do something. I saw somebody make a comment about how uh, the Buffalo Sabres signed uh, a first-round draft pick and a prospect and a player for one for $8 million, which is funny because it wouldn't shock me if they trade him at the deadline, if there's no, uh, no move clause on the deal, which if you're only signing him for one year, why would you do that? Anyway, I'm talking about the Blue Jackets week a little bit in terms of things. Because I've seen a lot of people upset about stuff. So I get that trading Ryan Murray for a fifth and Marcus Nudavara for a a prospect you're not going to use. You didn't get good value out of those. But I think the value the Blue Jacks actually wanted was cap space. And they got that. And everybody knows I'm a bit of a, I'm I'm an optimist when it comes to the Blue Jackets. But I will say this. This team is better than it was a week ago when I did this show. They just are down the middle. First line, first center, Pierre-Luc Dubois, second, Max Domi, third, Miku Koivu, fourth line center, Riley Nash, or maybe even Mikhail Grigorenko. I don't know which way they're going to go. But when you start looking at this team left to right, they're a, I mean, just line by line, they're a better team than they were a week ago. And I understand, oh no, we lost, uh, we don't have Ryan Murray. Ryan Murray is the one where I'm like, ah, oh, that stinks. But again, I don't know if we were going to resign him long term after this year. Anyway, defensive pairing still, first pair, Wierenski Jones, second pair, Gavrikov Savard. Third pair, we're going to have Kukin, could be Carlson, could be Peak. Let's see who shows up in camp. I don't, I'm not sure, but this team is still good. This team is better than the team that beat Toronto in the play in. This is a team that is, better I think than the team that pushed Tampa to sit to to an eight overtime game or not eight overtimes five overtime game so I think this is a better team than it was last year substantially show so I know we're already starting to see people be like oh it's time to call for Kekalainen's firing what because he didn't sign Taylor Hall to a deal that may or may not have been good if Taylor Hall went in there and said I want seven years at 10 million or nine million I don't know if I would have signed that deal 
because it would have been great for a couple of years, but I don't know how long it would have been on the good, right? It would have been on the back end of that deal. Should you get more for Murray? Yeah, maybe. I, I would think so. I'm not quite sure what the move was there. If they're really that concerned about PLD being on an offer sheet, which is again, feeding into the questions about whether there's an internal cap, but the team is better than it was a week ago. So on that, I'm feeling pretty good. So that's where we're at. Um, I just found out about Taylor Hall news while I was playing the interview for you guys. So I'm, I'm still digesting some of that news, but thank you all very much for watching. Thank you for listening again. We're on everything. Hit me up on Twitter at jackets debrief. But thank you very much, and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show, follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief, and thank you for listening.